It is 19 minutes before the hour here on the Drive at Large radio show. We're pleased to be in studio with Jim Gadet. He is retired New Hampshire law enforcement. More than 20 years on the job with the Hillsborough County Sheriff and the police departments in Amherst and Litchfield. He comes to us every Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Sorry about that. Sorry, it used to be Thursdays. It used to be Thursdays. That's right. <laughs> we switched it up and here we are. So every Thursday morning here at this time to talk about what's happening in the world of public safety. Can't imagine what we'd be talking about today. <laughs> you can find you can stay up to date with what Jim does on public safety or what he has to share by going to Facebook and going to Jim Gadet Public Safety Segment Anchor. All you got to do is type in Jim Gadet Public into the uh, Facebook uh, search bar and it will bring it right up. So good morning, Jim. Good morning, Rich. How are you? I'm unbelievable. Yeah. I think I'll start with unfrickin' real. How's that? Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I guess we can continue your conversation. I had plans to talk about another issue, but we can... Uh, well, no, well, we'll it's, start it's, with... It's, uh, what conversation would you like to continue? Well, I was... Well, no, you were talking about the, uh, you know, the, another episode of another illegal immigrant with a criminal record and a uh, list of offenses as long as your arm, and everybody's shocked and ang- shocked, angry and confused. Can't understand why he's Well, still... and that article came from Mark Hayward, who right. isn't exactly a sympathizer with the toss them out of the country movement. Uh, he spent a lot of time featuring these, you know, these these otherwise, you know, hardworking, decent, contributing members of society who are here legally to try to generate sympathy um, uh, f- uh, for uh, a movement to legalize them. And he wrote this one. So, Wow. Well, yeah. So, I mean, at some point, yeah, people are going to have to say enough, enough. But, I mean, you can, you know, go down and look at the police logs. Go talk to any of the Manchester, you know, officers. And, you know, there's a litany of people who go out, commit crimes, get released on PR bail, mm-hmm. go out and commit more crimes, still get released subsequently on PR bail. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like a revolving door. Well, it's I've, a joke. I figured that immigration status aside, <clears throat> that this article was going to catch your attention for just that. Oh, just, he was yeah, just, committing crimes while he was out on bail for committing other crimes. It's, it's a joke. You know, we, we had... Uh, and uh, we're talking about... Let me, let me see if we can find his name real quick. Uh, Abukar is the last name. Hold on. Ahmed Abukar. A-H-M-E-D-A-B-U-K-A-R. Ahmed Abukar. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, the only thing that's changed is the name, and apparently his his uh, status in the country being legal or illegally here. I mean, it's it is it it should be a crime in and of itself. The the judges tolerate it; they appoint the bail commissioners. Um, you know, and and I'm sure that there's an unwritten rule that well, jails you know, are crowded. So, you know, so, we don't want to fill jails. Somebody tried to. I mean, I was once upon a time approached about being a bail commissioner, and it seems to me that as a bail commissioner, you make money when you help people make bail. Well, is yes, that how it works? Yes and no. You so were paid a statutory wants, fee. A statutory fee. Uh, and last I knew, it was up to forty dollars. When I when I retired ten years ago, the the fee was forty dollars. You could refuse the services of the bail commissioner and just spend the night or the weekend in jail. So most of your frequent flyers kind of knew what was going on. They weren't going to spend the money, uh, and they just refused the services of the bail commissioner. Went to the county lockup for the weekend and saw the judge or overnight saw the judge the next day. It seems to me, though, there's like some kind of a commission paid on the bonds that you... Now, there's a difference between a bail commissioner and a bail bondsman. Oh, maybe that's what A bail commissioner is an agent of the court. He is acting in, or she is acting in the stead of the judge, and they they, uh, interview uh, defendants who have been charged with crimes, and uh, 
you know, assess, you know, the crime, their past history, their ties to the community, their risk of flight, all those factors that are supposed mm-hmm. to be considered when you uh, set a person's bail. And then they set a bail. Mm-hmm. And for that, they're given a $40 fee to come out at, you know, whatever, 2 o'clock in the morning um, and, and set bail. Uh, a bail bondsman is a person who's actually licensed, bonded, mm-hmm. and what they do is they uh, they guarantee, you know, so Rich is out on bail or he has a bail set of uh, – $250,000, you know, cash or surety, which, you know, I'm sure you don't have kicking around in the house or in your wallet. So, you know, you put up your house, you put up your car, whatever, you put up some collateral and then they charge you like a 10% commission on whatever that bail is. That's their fee gotcha. and it's their bond, their bond mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they're putting up basically with the court to guarantee your appearance. And again, you know, aside from what you see on TV with this, uh, whatever that nitwit is, Dog the Bounty Hunter, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about Dog the Bounty Hunter, Bounty Hunter, but I can tell you back in the day, Cosmo Gilberti out of Massachusetts was not a bail bondsman you wanted to jump in mm-hmm. on, you know, um, no, they, and, and so it's a different, it's a different animal uh, entirely. All right. So let me ask, uh, 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 you've got uh, a couple other things on your mind, but, you know, we did a story yesterday, not that you heard it, uh, Kimberly Morin from NHPoliticalBuzz.com, who anchors our Politically Buzzed segment, is out with a story uh, on the Manchester Police Department who arrested uh, uh, a woman and charged her with child endangerment because she had a... Uh, gun in the glove box of her vehicle while she had four kids in the car and she told the officer who pulled her over for some blinker infraction that uh, the registration was in the glove box she was going to get it and that there was a, a you know there was a firearm in the glove box so he arrested her for child endangerment and this has caused quite a storm. It's starting to get an awful lot of attention in circles that could make things very difficult for the Manchester Police Department. Um, she was uh, uh, a counselor who had just been promoted and given a pay raise at the Sununu Center. So she yep, worked with juveniles. Yep. She uh, she is a retired military. She has been through firearms training. There were there were bullets in the clip, but not in the chambers. Safety was on. And um, the gun, for all intent and purposes, was out of reach. What is MPD thinking Well, uh, in, in arresting her for child endangerment after being pulled over for failing to use her blinker? If I'm not mistaken, and maybe I misread this, but was not also a child sitting in the front passenger seat by the glove box? as a, So, I mean, yeah, obviously so. kind of within reach. As opposed to sitting in the back. Seat. It wasn't her daughter. It wasn't. It yeah, wasn't I don't actually, know. There was no reason why anyone. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the glove box was locked. She had to unlock it to to open it. So yeah. Well, if but, the glove box really, is, I would, yeah. If the glove box is locked, then I don't think you have much of a case. And, and if it's not, so what? Well, I, I think you can make an argument. How good it is, I guess, will remain to be seen. Uh, if you have a seven year old sitting in the front seat where they can reach into that glove box, then yeah, theoretically. You know, I have five kids, and not once have they ever touched the glove box without asking me first. I don't think, you know, unless my kids, have, unless I've told them, hey, get me a napkin out of the glove box right. or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, it's, now this woman lost her job because yeah. she got fired. Um, I, I, I get it. And I've, I've sent, uh, I sent Chief Willard a tweet with the article asking him for his feedback, which I haven't gotten yet. So we all know how the chief loves Twitter. But what, what, 
What, what, what, what is the point of this? I, I don't know what the point is. I, I, We're told that the officer in question is a former Massachusetts um, corrections officer who uh, may, may explain a disposition against guns, but... Yeah, I mean, no one in Massachusetts is allowed to carry guns. Pretty much, you have to, you know, give up your firstborn to get a permit down there. Right. So, um, I mean, but, it, it, how how reason this I, on its face? This looks like and on, the police on, department is refusing to release the police report now. They will not release the police report. Why is the investigation still pending? I don't know. They're just refusing, according to Kimberly, to uh, they're just refusing to release it. Well, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you know what provision of the right to know law that they're trying to uh, assert. <laughs> well, not having filed a right to know request on it yet, right? But yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, I guess in in that officer's judgment, he thought that was potentially endangering. I guess what I would say about that is I don't know that that's necessarily a call I would have made. You know, round not in the not in the chamber, but in the magazine. Safety uh, on, but but uh, that is still considered by statute a loaded firearm. There's no prohibition no. of having a loaded firearm. No, there isn't in and your car in the state of New Hampshire, with or without children, or without a permit. Now, apparently, right. because of constitutional carry. But she did have a permit, right? But I mean, again, so I think what they're relying on is maybe some some form of well, it's almost like that theory about negligent storage of a firearm, but that's usually. Only when the firearm gets stolen or the kid picks it up right. and ends up, you know, putting a hole through the floor or, you know, God forbid, something else. Right. Well, and, apparent, uh, and apparently the uh, reason why she uh, was carrying the gun at all was because of um, threats from an abusive husband. Yep. I saw that claim as well in the media. Yeah, I read mm-hmm. it vaguely and I, you know, my first thought was, geez, tough call. I don't know that I would have made that call. And then I just kind of moved on to it because that seemed to be the least of, I didn't really, you know, realize that that was picking up traction. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's I mean, getting, if I'm sitting on the side, you know, I don't know that I make that call and I guess that's where I would leave it. It's going to come down to judgment as to whether or not, you know, he can, or, you know, the state can make a compelling argument to a court that that's, you know, uh, well, this single mother, of, I think, of but now she's now. out of a job because of I mean, that. It's decision. destroyed her life. Well, you know, and we can and, and we can take we can take issue with whether or not uh, the state should have fired her. Well, uh, I was going to say that sounds like you got a whole different set of circumstances going on right. over there. All of a sudden, this woman's fired before she's even convicted. Well, I'm 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 hopeful that uh, the the chief is going to who says he's looking into this according to uh, Morin is is going to um, recognize that this was a, a bridge too far because you know what we've seen we've seen actual child endangerment. Uh, you know, because and I remember the press release. I kind of looked yeah, at the how headline. About, how about all the people shooting up heroin in front of their kids? You know, and then they're nodding off because they're tripping their teeth off. Exactly. You and know, the, and the police, I think, have acted. Yeah, I think the police have acted uh, 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 correctly in this. Uh, you know, in those cases where they're taking kids out of houses, where it, absolutely. You know, where their active drug using and stuff is going on, but. You know, the kids were all buckled in their seatbelts. I mean, there was nothing. This woman did nothing wrong except apparently not recognize a cop who pulled up beside her in an unmarked cruiser and started barking at her about, uh, you know, her uh, her her blinker signal. I'm trying to remember what Kimberly said yesterday Uh, and, you know, just thought that he was some hostile motorist because of the way he was yelling at her and, and didn't pay attention until he drew attention to the fact that he was a cop. And that's great, but again, you know, they get back, that gets back into a whole other. You know, seems to me that you have a lot of extenuating circumstances here. You know, I would hope that you know any of my daughters or my wife have you know know enough from my time you know working. They're not mm-hmm. stopping for an unmarked car 
you know, just anywhere. Right. Um, because again, we had a, we had a policy and procedure where we didn't, unless it was very flagrant, you weren't stopping for violations right. in an unmarked car. And I was right. assigned an unmarked car. Mm-hmm. So you would know. I would know. <laughs> uh, you know, and, unless I was in a uniform mm-hmm. and it's daylight, I'm not generally stopping cars. If I went out and worked a patrol shift, I would go out and get into a marked patrol vehicle. Right. You know, just for that reason, because how many times do you hear stories about these people? Mm-hmm. You know, who are pulled over by you know knockoff police officers who are out going by an old Ford Crown Vicks at auctions. Mm-hmm. You know, and then outfitting them, and you know. So, yeah, it sounds unfortunate. Like I said, I looked at it and I went, wow, you know, can't say I would have made that call, but then I just kind of moved on from the story. But the fact that she got fired yep. sounds pretty quick on the trigger to me. I think there's something else at play, you know, in another well, in another. State, you know, the state's got enough issues with its division youth and, uh, you know, the last thing they want is to be known as employing somebody who's been arrested for endangering children because they had a gun in their car. Doesn't sound good. Well, it doesn't sound good, but that doesn't mean that they're she guilty of that process, offense. Right. That's right. Exactly. All right. So, so what did you have on your agenda this well, morning? Well, you know, the, the big, yeah, the big, yeah, my agenda. Well, you know, your circus, your monkey's rich. Uh, <laughs> there was a, uh, a case that's gotten a lot of traction and it has kind of a Hillsborough County tie here. In fact, they kind of got beat up a little bit about it is... Uh, the case of State versus Ernest Justin Blanchett, the former deputy sheriff from Belknap, who was uh, transporting prisoners down, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, taking liberties with those uh, liberties female with prisoners. Uh, and now, he was, you know, what I don't understand about that they they charged him under a law that applies to correctional well, and, officers. Well, and that's that's the whole issue. Why, the, why, the why issue did he is, need to, if he was taking his having his way with him, why isn't it just? Why does it have to be a? Why isn't it just? Sexual assault. And, and, and that's my point. And I have a colleague in the office who's also retired law enforcement. We've had this conversation when this was first charged. He happened to know this person, uh, you know, from, from uh, law enforcement work up there. And the comment was, this is poorly charged. It's a defective indictment. This is going to be a problem because if you read the statute, it talks about an employee of a county jail or the state prison. A deputy sheriff is neither, mm-hmm. but they're charged with transporting. That should have been a straight sexual assault indictment under whatever, you know, how many counts they wanted. And then they go after them for sentencing, for enhanced sense- sentencing, because at the time, that person was an on-duty law enforcement officer. Right. So, but what? what it, it's, it's a, there is a distinction. And it makes no, a big and, difference. No, and I, and, I, and, I, and I get that. I just don't understand why somebody would try to use— They a, were trying to make the argument that the reason that that happened is because he had direct supervisory authority, which is the words right out of the statute, just like if you were working as a CO in the, in the women's prison. Well, is is or, that come with a bigger penalty under the law? Than, well, no, that's just—it's it's just a a version or a theory of, of, of charging. That's one of the— you know, what, you can't give consent. I guess they're looking at it as an inability to give consent legally, just as if you were mentally deficient, because that person has uh, supervisory authority over you. So, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to make your life here in the jail miserable or life here in the prison miserable. So it would be just like being unable to gain consent from a minor lawfully or a person who is mentally incompetent mm-hmm. or mentally defective. To my mind, I would have charged that as a straight sexual assault and then given them notice that you were going after enhanced sentencing under the sentencing statute because at the time the actor was a, so, a law enforcement officer on duty. 
So can this guy be charged? Well, that again that kind of remains to be seen. Crime? The Supreme Court has vacated his his uh, convictions that were here down in Hillsborough County, mm-hmm. uh, and there was a hearing last week. It's all the the rage, or you know, the news up in the Lakes region where he sure. was a Belknap County Sheriff uh, or Deputy Sheriff that uh, Judge O'Neill had dismissed the remaining indictments. So the county attorney up there is is kind of reviewing things to see where they sit. Um, you know, you may have, there may be double jeopardy issues involved. Who knows? Well, um, is there double jeopardy, though, if they're charging him under a different statute with essentially the same crime, I guess? Well, yeah, it's basically the same set of circumstances. I mean, I guess that's an argument they're going to have to review. It's not like anybody's going to hire this guy and put him back on the job. Um, no, but what about, you know, what about penalty for all the women he, uh, well, you know, he assaulted? Right. And again, I, I, I you know. I contend that that was a very poor charging decision because it just doesn't fit the statute. Statute's very clear. If they wanted to say any law enforcement officer, they would have, but they said employee of you know the, the state prison or a county correctional facility. Right. Um, you know, so now all the politicians are jumping up and down saying, oh, we've got to fix this. We've got to, There's plenty <laughs> they've got to fix. i got a whole laundry list for them. But, you know, this is part of the there. problem with the law is everyone writes these laws for specific circumstances rather than writing a law that applies to everyone. And if there's a case where there are aggravating circumstances, allowing the penalty to reflect that. Well, right. And, and again, the sentencing statute in New Hampshire has has enhancements in it of itself, outside of, you know, the actual statutory uh, offenses. So, you know, if it's a hate crime, uh, if it's, you know, if it's, you know, if it's motivated by, you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, um, you know, things, that, you know, religion. Uh, if if you were an on-duty law enforcement officer at the time, there are provisions specifically set in there, and they don't say, oh, that only applies for this. It's you commit this crime. Oh, and by the way, we're putting you on notice for enhanced sentencing out here under the sentencing statute. Jim Gadette, as always, the pleasure is ours. We've exhausted all our time and then some. I don't know what we have time for, but Josh will work it in, whatever it is.